Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. broadcast today is entitled The Forces of Darkness. Today on Words of Grace, I want to spend a little bit of time with you emphasizing Jesus' power over the evil spirits and devils that he came across in his personal ministry. The first passage that we want to share with you today comes from the book of Luke chapter 4, which is very early in the ministry of our Lord, early in his public ministry. In fact, in Luke's gospel account, this would be the first miraculous act of Christ after the beginning of his public ministry. Now, directly before this, and we always like to give you the context of what is discussed in the Bible. The Bible is a book written in context. We shouldn't take it out of context. Before this, Jesus had preached a sermon in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. Now, you would think, well, these people saw him grow up. They surely would have respect for him. I imagine they would be eager to hear what Jesus has to say. But the truth is quite the contrary. As Jesus stands up in this synagogue in Nazareth, he takes the book of Isaiah He reads it for their hearing, and he says that this passage that I have read is now fulfilled in your hearing. By the end of that sermon and that interaction, they were so outraged at Jesus that they dragged him in a mob out of the synagogue. They led him to the brow of the hill, and they wanted to throw him off of the hill headlong. They wanted to cast him off and 
They wanted to take his life. They were so offended at him for what he taught. According to verse 30 of Luke chapter 4, he passing through the midst of them went his way, and he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And so Jesus, as he leaves Nazareth, goes to Capernaum and enters a synagogue there where he remained, if you noticed, a plurality of Sabbath days teaching. And what this means is that Jesus spent several weeks there. There's a good period of time that Jesus spends in this particular visit to Capernaum. A plurality of Sabbath days, Saturdays in the Old Testament, are spent here, and Jesus teaches people in the synagogue. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And this is something that we see often in the ministry of Jesus as he preaches publicly or in a synagogue setting such as this. No one spoke the way Jesus speaks. His words had power. He was not dry as the scribes. But as Jesus preached the word of God, it was impactful. There was a certain authority that came with his words. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 29, after Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew includes this note, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So there's this juxtaposition between the teaching of Jesus and his power and his word and his authority and that of the dry, boring lecturers that were known as the scribes. Inside of this synagogue, in which Jesus has been teaching with power and demonstration, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. This man is afflicted by a devil. Now, our subject again today is the forces of darkness. And here we have where Jesus is going to go head to head with some of the forces of darkness in this world. It might surprise you to know that when Jesus encounters devils, the devils are not only no match for Jesus, but the devils are terrified of him. They're absolutely afraid of him. And we'll comment on why that is in just a moment. This particular devil cries out with a loud voice and says, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Look at all that this particular devil knows. Now, as far as the specifics here in Luke 4, we don't know the specific way this man was afflicted by this devil. In just a moment, we'll look at some of the various ways that people have been afflicted by devils, but we don't really know that here. We don't have recorded for us the specific things that he would do. We do know from Scripture that whatever it was, it was terrible. But as far as the specifics... What he does tell us directly, right off the bat, and this is the first miracle that Luke's going to give us in the ministry of Jesus, is that this devil is terrified of Jesus, and Jesus casts this devil out of this man. Look at specifically what this devil knew. He knew Jesus' name, Thou art Jesus. But look at this, Thou art Jesus of Nazareth. I'm sure there were many people named Jesus in the first century, but he knows that this is Jesus of Nazareth. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. This devil knows that Jesus of Nazareth is the Holy One of God, the Messiah, the Christ, yea, 
the second person of the Godhead, God's eternal Son, made flesh, incarnate, walking in this world as a human being. He was virally man, and he was virally God. He's 100% humanity, and he is 100% deity, divinity, combined together in what we refer to theologically as the hypostatic union. And as Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It is a great mystery that God became man. But this devil understands exactly with whom he is interacting here. He knows that this man standing before him is God incarnate, the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. And so what happens here? How does this interaction go down? How is this face-off resolved? Jesus rebukes him. He says, hold thy peace, which basically means be quiet. This devil begins protesting when he sees Jesus, destroy us not, are you here to destroy us? And Jesus says, be quiet. And I've got to tell you, when Jesus says, hold your peace and be quiet, that devil shut his mouth. He was quiet. He didn't say anything else. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. Jesus says, be quiet, get out of him, and the devil in leaving him, sends the man into some sort of a convulsion in the floor. The devil is cast out, the devil leaves, and this man is now restored to his health, his right mind. Whatever it was that this devil had done to him to afflict him had come to an end because Jesus fought the battle with this devil and was victorious, as he always is, as he always was, as he always will be, victorious over his enemies, victorious over the devil, victorious over evil. So in the time that we have on the broadcast today, what I want to do is emphasize, using this passage, this first miracle that Luke gives us in Jesus' life, as a sort of a springboard into the concept of the forces of darkness in this world. Many Christians today don't realize, in fact, if you're of a secularist mindset, you would outright deny that there are actually invisible forces of darkness in the world. There are spiritual enemies. There is such a thing as spiritual darkness in the world. I'm not saying that to you as a man who is superstitious. I'm not saying that to you as a man who is afraid of ghosts or a man who is naive or gullible. I am a very skeptical person, and when it relates to things happening in the world, I always look for a physical cause for afflictions or sufferings or problems. I'm not one who would scream demon or devil every time something bad happens in the world. That's just not me, and if you know me personally, you know that. But I want you to understand that there are forces of evil, darkness in the world at all times doing battle against the Lord's people. Their sole objective to harm human beings and their number one targets are those who are faithful to Christ. In the book of Daniel, Daniel prays for a couple of weeks and finally an angel comes to him and says that I would have come to you sooner, but I was doing battle with the prince of Persia. 
And while that might have relation to the literal physical prince of Persia, more than likely what was happening is that there were angels fighting invisible battles in the world that had something to do with the Persian government, the angels of God versus the evil spirits of this world. And that angel was fighting. He was doing battle against the forces of darkness. In Ephesians chapter 6, we actually read this interesting but also in a bit alarming statement in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now you might be thinking, well, certainly we wrestle against flesh and blood. All that we see as far as enemies of us in this world are flesh, bone, and blood human beings whether we're dealing with illnesses and viruses or we're dealing with violence in the street or robbers or political persecution or whatever we might be going through as believers in Christ, we're wrestling, surely, preacher, against flesh and blood. But what Paul says here is that the ultimate battle is not with others who are physical, but with that which is spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, what we can do about that is take unto us the whole armor of God that we might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This warning against wrestling with the spiritual powers of this world, the darkness of this world, is actually sandwiched between verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Now, just briefly, this armor of God is defined as girding our loins with truth, taking on the breastplate of righteousness, shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel, taking the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as we are doing all to stand, we pray with all supplication, watching with all perseverance. And so Paul tells us that we actually can arm ourselves, that we can withstand the wiles of the devil here in this world because the problems that we face ultimately have a spiritual origin rather than merely being physical issues. And certainly there are such a thing as physical issues. Our bodies get older, they wax old. If you use parts of your bodies more abusively or rigorously, those parts are going to wear out. If I have arthritis in my right hand from playing trumpet for 30 years, I should not be surprised at that and think that I'm under some sort of satanic affliction. If I play contact sports into my 40s and my knees are worn out, I shouldn't believe that I'm under some satanic affliction because my knees are worn out. No, I wore them out. But at the same time, there are forces of darkness that are seeking to do God's people harm in this world, and we would be foolish not to understand that and prepare ourselves to do battle against them when they come for us. Now, what do these evil spirits do to people? What does this look like? Well, let's take a short survey through the gospel accounts and other places just to see. In the book of Matthew chapter 9, in verse 32, a man was possessed by a devil, and that devil made the man dumb, or as we would say in our modern day, mute. 
This man was unable to speak because he was afflicted by a devil. In Matthew 12 and verse 22, a devil made a man mute and blind. So there was a man that could not see and he could not speak because this devil had afflicted him. In Matthew chapter 17, a child was often vexed by a devil. That word vex is a very severe word. And as he was vexed by this demon, this devil, he would often fall into fire or water. In other words, this devil would afflict him and torment him in such a way that the child, through either intentional self-harm because of the devil or clumsiness because of the devil, this child would fall into situations that would hurt him, whether a fire or water or things such as that. He would go into harm's way because this devil was afflicting him, was vexing him. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 16, there was a woman who was possessed with a spirit of divination. This woman could, in some sense, predict the future, and that was lucrative to her handlers. She had people who were over her, who employed her and controlled her, They would use this evil spirit in her to predict things that would happen in the future. I do not believe that means that evil spirits have omniscience or foreknowledge of future events, but they have studied human history for so long, and they can orchestrate things in the background that possessed with a spirit of divination, she could in some sense predict what was going to happen in the future. Again, not that evil spirits know necessarily the future, but they do have insight into human behavior, and they can orchestrate things invisibly in the world. Probably the most famous account of someone possessed with an evil spirit was that of Legion, who was made to dwell as a scary, self-destructive, insane man living naked in caves, You can read about him in the 8th chapter of the book of Luke, but this man runs out as Jesus approaches unto him. Jesus casts the devils out of him, a legion of devils. They go into a herd of swine which run down a hill into the sea violently and are drowned. And then this man, legion, was found in his right mind, clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus healed that man. All of those scenarios and more are sometimes attributed to the devil or devils in the lives of people that Jesus interacts with. Now, does that mean that everyone who is deaf is afflicted by a devil? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that everyone who is blind is afflicted by a devil? It does not mean that either. My hearing is nowhere near what it was when I was younger because of 30 years of playing a brass instrument and sitting in settings with musicians. My hearing is far weaker than it was. My dad was a police officer, and because he shot often as a young person without hearing protection, his hearing was not as good. Driving with the window down at work, damaged his hearing as well. I know people that have used power tools their entire life, and because of that, their hearing is damaged. Please don't misunderstand me as saying that every time a person is deaf or blind or mentally ill, that that person is struggling with a demon possession. But at the same time, sometimes when people suffer affliction, an evil spirit is behind it. So as we're talking about evil spirits, a pressing question that ought to be in our minds is, where do evil spirits come from? 
As far as evil spirits go, we tend to use this term, evil spirits, as synonymous with that of devils or demons. Now, the KJV word is devils, but the word devil translates from a Greek word, which is the basis for the English word demons. So, evil spirits and demons and devils, plural, those are all the same thing. That has reference to the same thing in the Word of God. And generally, we assume that these evil spirits are angels that sinned with Satan at the beginning of time and were expelled from entering into the presence of God. Remember, angels go up and down between humankind and the Lord. Jacob sees angels ascending and descending upon a great ladder to heaven in a vision. Angels are sent from God as ministering spirits to God's people. We assume that evil spirits, devils, demons, are the angels that fell, that spend the rest of their existence here before their ultimate judgment, tormenting people. The New Testament describes them as the angels which kept not their first estate. But as far as saying that evil spirits are actually fallen angels, I'm not aware of a verse in the entire Bible that says that. That is just our general assumption. There are some things that we know, though. While we assume this, we need to be very aware that everything God made in the beginning of time was good. We also need to be aware of the fact that God is not the author of sin, and so he certainly is not responsible for their behavior or their rebellion in a causative sense. And so God did not make them evil. God made them good. God did not make them sin to fall from whatever state of goodness they were in. God is not responsible for their sinful behavior or their rebellion. So whatever they are, wherever they came from, Along with everything else in creation, they were made good, and then they rebelled. Now, I do not believe that these are the disembodied spirits of evil people. According to Lazarus and the rich man, when a wicked man dies, he goes to be in torments. He does not wander as a disembodied spirit, tormenting people. So that certainly seems out of the question. That leads us to the general assumption that these are the fallen angels that sinned with the devil in the beginning of time. And so that we believe, is where evil spirits come from. Regardless, and this brings us to the next point that we want to briefly emphasize, Jesus has absolute power and control over them. And beyond that, as you noticed from Luke chapter 5, the demons, the devils, they are terrified of Jesus. Have you come to torment us before our time? The book of James says that the devils believe and tremble. When he writes about the fact that you and I need to do more than believe, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He says that you believe you do well, thou believest, thou doest well. The devils believe also and tremble. And James would know, wouldn't he? He was an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus Christ, and he saw Jesus casting out devils. He watched these devils react in fear to Jesus and come out of people, leaving them convulsing in the floor before being restored to their much-wanted health, either mentally or physically. Why are the devils so afraid of him? Well, remember what we said earlier. Jesus is God's eternal Son. God is sovereign. This idea that God created the world, winded it up, stepped back, and doesn't care what happens in this world or have any other interactions with people in this world, that is simply not the biblical fact of the matter. God is sovereign in this world. He has sovereign control 
All power belongs to Christ in heaven and in earth. And so Jesus has authority and power over them, and they are terrified of him. Understand, when that wicked one thinks about your Savior, when that wicked one or any of his minions think about God in glory, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're terrified because they know the power of God. They know the sovereignty of God. There's not some power struggle between God and the forces of darkness. God has all power. He has all authority. He is sovereign. So how do evil spirits influence people today? Now, this is a big preface. Sometimes this is the case, but it's certainly not always the case. I believe that much of the mental illness that we see in the world today might have, at least it's worth considering, a spiritual root. Now, by all means, treat those things when you experience them with physical medicine that you can get. Go see a doctor and get help from a doctor, a counselor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, but don't discount spiritual treatment as well. Talk to your pastor, pray, take on the armor of God, read the Word of God. If you struggle with things like that, you might actually be under some sort of attack from the forces of darkness in this world. Secularists can laugh, but until they can provide 100% effective treatment, they should not discount what we're saying either. What did that young man do who was afflicted in Jesus' ministry? Oh, he was thrown by a devil into a fire. He was thrown by a devil into water. That was self-harm. Some self-harm that we see today might actually have spiritual darkness as the origin And certainly many other forms of mental illness might be the result of demonic affliction and attack. That is a thing. Sometimes people ask the great question, can a person who is born again be possessed by a devil? Well, I don't know if he can be possessed by a devil, because I don't know that the Holy Spirit is going to be a roommate in a person's heart with an evil spirit. But I do know that even if a spirit is not allowed to outright possess a person after the new birth, he can certainly afflict him from the outside. And so maybe my answer would be not to the same degree as an unregenerate, but certainly demonic affliction is something that absolutely can occur to us in our lives. Remember that King Saul, he was a man that was full of the spirit and did prophesy, And yet there was an evil spirit that was sent to afflict him because of his mistreatment and jealousy of King David. So we can be afflicted, I believe, by evil spirits, albeit not to the same degree. Now, the last thing I want to emphasize on the broadcast today is what you and I can do. The first thing we need to understand is that we do not have apostolic power to cast out devils today. We are not apostles. When the apostles died, their power and authority expired with them. Certain men tried to do this, vagabonds, exorcists in Acts chapter 19, and they were told by the demon, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? We do not have the authority of Jesus, and we do not have the authority of Paul. But what we can do, first of all, is pray. We can pray to God to deliver people or ourselves from demons. We can pray that God would prevent evil forces from attacking us and those that we love. Next, and also from Ephesians chapter 6, we need to arm ourselves. But we don't arm ourselves for this battle with guns or body armor or armored vehicles or missiles. 
We arm ourselves with the armor of God. Remember what we read? We gird our loins with truth. We wear the footwear of the gospel of Christ. We put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We pick up the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And then we stand there praying with all perseverance. We need to arm ourselves. That's one thing we can do. And lastly, if you notice that only offensive weapon in the armor of God was the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Jesus himself used the Bible to defeat the devil after his baptism. We can use the Word of God to repel the forces of darkness in this world. I find it helpful in moments of personal darkness. Just say the name of Jesus Christ out loud over and over And you'd be surprised how light begins to penetrate and permeate into the situation. Call upon the name of the Lord and use his word as our offensive weapon against forces of darkness. I hope that today's message has been instructive and encouraging to you. May we stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, I'm Ben Winslet, thanking you for listening to Words of Grace today inviting you to write and let me know that you've received today's broadcast and also to tune in again next week at this time. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. Address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741. Or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.